Welcome to the Keeping It Israel podcast with Jeff Futers, where Jeff and his guests talk everything Israel as it relates to Christian faith and the church. If you are a Christian and you stand with Israel, you will be encouraged and challenged by this podcast. And if you're not so sure about the whole Israel thing, you need to learn how your faith connects with Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's Jeff with today's guest. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast today and welcome. Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm the executive director of First Century Foundations and your host today. We are a ministry that helps many ministries in the land of Israel, around 70 or so, and uh, happy to be able to do that. My guest today is David Pelegi. David is the rector of Christ Church in the old city of Jerusalem, also one of the ministries that we help there in Jerusalem. David is an incredible guy, and you're going to enjoy him as he shares with us a little bit today about the subject of anti-Semitism and the Holocaust. David has some great insight into this topic and also hosts a tour uh, every couple of years or so called the Narrow Bridge Tour, and I want to give you some information about that towards the end of the podcast. But uh, let's join the conversation and listen in as David and I talk today about anti-Semitism. Well, so let me circle back because uh, you are an expert in many ways in this uh, on this subject. So why don't we let's forget about COVID for a minute? And um, Is that possible? Probably not. But uh, um, talk to me about the uh, scourge of anti-Semitism and jump into the, the topic kind of wherever you wish. But, I, you know, my first question would be this. Uh, why is it important, especially as Christians, that we understand what happened? and learn from that well look uh, anti-semitism is probably one of the most incredible and the most tenacious uh diseases yes and, you know, of uh, all of humankind and i use the word incredible not uh in any kind of positive way because uh in every generation, virtually every ideology, virtually, not, uh, not exclusively, it adopts some form of anti-Semitism. And the anti-Semitism can be religious, which it was in the past. For example, um, before the time of Jesus, there was a, uh, there was a, pagan world was, was anti-Semitic for cultural and religious reasons, that uh, anti-Semitism was from the pagan world, from the Greco-Roman world, uh, unfortunately came into the church, and uh, we uh, pretty much adopted most anti-Semitic motifs, and we added one of our own. The ancient Roman world, for example, thought that Jews were not loyal to, to their society. They were unpatriotic because they did not uh, worship the same gods that uh, that the Greco world, that, that the different cities of the Greco-Roman world worshipped. They thought the Jews were lazy. 
because the Jews took one day a week off. They thought uh, many different things about the Jews. So we uh, brought those into the church, unfortunately, and then we added the charge of the Islam. It's probably our uh, our most significant uh, contribution as to anti-Semitism. Uh, we updated it by saying the Jews killed Jesus. Of course, that's quite ludicrous when you think about it. And when I hear Christians uh, talk about this or say uh, things like the Jews killed Jesus, it makes me boil with anger because what an ignorant, ignorant statement that is, considering you uh, read through the Gospels, how Jesus says, Jesus would say, I give my life willingly. Yes, uh, I lay down my life willingly. Nobody is taking it uh, from me. Uh, and of course, this idea of self-sacrifice uh, is extremely important for us, especially uh, in our theology. It should be in our theology. And secondly, uh, it was something that uh, God foreordained that he actually did for us. And so if you want to look at look at it in one one perspective, in one way, it's that uh, Jesus and the Father actually allowed the crucifixion, uh, allowed the crucifixion to happen. And of course if you study it in any any sort of detail, uh, you can see that it wasn't the the Jewish people that put Jesus to death. It was a few families who controlled the temple. They were the Sadducees. And together with some Gentiles, very interesting, we never blame the Italians or we never blame blame the, the Romans, even though in the Nicene Creed that most Christians, yes, most Christians recite every Sunday, yes, he died uh, you know, and was crucified, right? He was crucified under Pontius Pilate, right? So he, um, we're actually blame where it's, it properly uh, it properly belongs. So um, you know it's very ignorant for Christians to say that uh, the Jews killed Jesus and that we would have no faith if had not uh, Jesus had not uh, offered himself as a sacrifice and uh, God had not raised him uh, from the dead. But yet that charge has uh, echoed down through the ages and caused the Jewish people incredible amounts of, uh, of suffering. And then we come to the modern era, the modern era, the, the middle of the 19th century, where many people um, in Europe especially decide they've, they've had enough of Christianity. They're modern. They're going to be secular. They're going to have uh, a faith based on uh, the enlightenment, on reason. Humanism is the, the main order of the day. And you would think, yes, now that people are not religious anymore, anti-Semitism would disappear. But it doesn't disappear. It just takes another form. It takes a secular form. And in actual fact, it becomes more dangerous and more deadly uh, in a way. Because Christian anti-Semitism was never genocidal. There would be riots against the Jews from time to time, or there might be uh, pogroms, um, usually not based on religious reasons. 
but the, these things would happen, but they were not based, uh, they did not uh, have the idea or the intention that we need to wipe out or totally destroy the Jewish people. But yet, secular, uh, secular form of anti-Semitism, which is the, the Nazi form of anti-Semitism, or the anti-Semitism used today by the left-wing, anti-imperialist, uh, anti-colonialist folks, this um, has, uh, again, this is very, very, this is very, very dangerous. And, and you hear people speaking hate about the Jewish people in a way that did not exist, for example, amongst Christians. So anti-Semitism is, uh, anti-Semitism is varied. It, it kind of changes from generation to generation. But it's still there. There's still a, either a fear or a hatred or a disdain uh, of the Jewish people. And uh, everybody, at least different uh, generations or, or different, uh, uh, different cultures uh, will adopt this. So it's, it's amazingly flexible. And what is the reason for this? Yes. And this is the, what is, what is the, what is the reason? for anti-Semitism. Is this a, simply a human cultural phenomenon? For example, we fear the other. We fear those who are different than us. We fear those who want to keep kind of a, 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 perhaps a unique identity and don't choose to fit in and to be like us. This is somehow cause us uh, anxiety. We fear what we don't understand, uh, Judaism or Jewish Solidarity looks uh, strange to us or could somehow be fearful to us. We have a hard time understanding that history is complex. Yes, that uh, history, uh, historical forces work together with a, with a spirit of an age. Yes, that uh, make things look complicated difficult to understand. So we, we're always looking for simple, simple answers. You know, why did the banks crash in 2008? Who killed JFK? Uh, who um, orchestrated, uh, you know, the Bolshevik Revolution uh, of 1917? Well, it has to be some hidden hand. There is a hidden hand, you know, somewhere uh, in history. And must be, well, if it's not the bankers, not the elitists, then it's certainly the Jews and, and their influence. And this is just a very uh, over, over uh, simplification, yes, of why things, why things happen. And by the way, it's a very dangerous oversimplification. We, of course, and I think, by the way, I think one of the reasons this happens, the reason you have all these conspiracy theories, um, and I'm not saying that conspiracies sometimes don't happen. They do. There may well have been a conspiracy to kill John Kennedy. I don't know. I'm sure certainly oil companies from time to time uh, gang up together and you know, control the price of oil or whatever. There's, there's certain, these things certainly have happened uh, throughout history. But uh, conspiracy theories uh, have mushroomed. And the more the world becomes secular, the more conspiracy theories there. Uh, mm. 
are uh, developed. And here's the reason. Because if you have a religious worldview, you understand that God is ultimately in control of history. Or you acknowledge some influence, let's underline the word some, uh, influence of the devil, of Satan himself. And so you can't blame human beings. But the more secular we become, and the less we retreat from the spiritual, it's simply we have to replace it with something. And now we've replaced it with uh, the bankers, the Bilderbergers, the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, so on and so forth. And by the way, when Christians espouse some of these things, they are really bringing, uh, giving us a bad name. And uh, it's a, it's, it's, it is a very bad, very, very bad witness. And I think it's desecrating, certainly desecrating the, the name of God. We should be very careful. Conspiracy theories, uh, I believe, uh, more or less go along with uh, the secularization of society. And the secularization of society, secular anti-Semitism, yes, that uh, actually brought about the murder of the Jews uh, from 1939, well, 1941, you can say, to 1945, led to, to the death of uh, six million uh, Jewish people. And so whether it's in the church or outside the church, we need to be uh, very careful. Can I give you a reason why anti-Semitism continues in this way? Again, there might be a mystical reason, a spiritual reason, a biblical reason. I can tell you one thing for sure. Even though there are 40 or 50,000 books written on the subject of anti-Semitism, I'm not sure anyone really knows why this is. Hmm. I'm not sure why uh, this is. I only remember the words of uh, the Roman Catholic priest here who used to be the head of the philosophy department at the Hebrew University. He was a Dominican, which is kind of ironic because the Dominicans were the ones who ran the Inquisition. And his name was um, Father Dubois, Marcel Dubois. And he used to tell his Israeli friends, you know, you better be very careful because the devil is after you. He wants to either compromise you morally or destroy you physically. Now, coming from a, a man who was a philosopher, yes, and uh, someone who was uh, the head of the philosophy department at Hebrew University, that's quite an amazing statement. Now, the, if you say it's demonic or you say it's satanic, then you, uh, you'll get a lot of pushback because if it's demonic, this is being somehow orchestrated by Satan, and I'm not saying that it is exclusively, then human beings, we have no responsibility. Right? It's, it's that old uh, Flip Wilson line, if you remember, some of your listeners yes. may remember, the devil made me do it. Exactly. I, I couldn't help myself, you know, I, I, I can't control myself, there's nothing I can do about it, just comes over us, comes over us corporately, it comes over me as an individual, and, you know, I, it's all, I'm not responsible. And, of course, if you say that about the Holocaust, yes, well, what hope is there for us? Yes, I mean, the devil came over the Nazis, he came over Adolf Hitler, he took, somehow he took control of them, quote-unquote, and he made them do it. 
So I think things, uh, if you have that model or that view, it's that's very crude, uh, and very simplistic, and even very dangerous. There is the role of the demonic in the deception. There is the role of the devil, of Satan himself. And he surely hates the Jewish people, but he doesn't have to work very hard, to, you know, to get others, for example, to go along with him. And mm. so, Jeff, you were with me uh, in different places in Poland where uh, German soldiers and their uh, Ukrainian employees, you might say, you know, would shoot Jews and push them into a ditch. Now, the, Satan didn't come pull the trigger. Human beings did. And so we cannot uh, run away from human responsibility. Yet at the same time, we have to see that there's something spiritual going on here. And so how do we we fully understand that? I'm not sure. And I think there's a mystery. This is a part of the mystery of Israel. There's a mystery of evil. There's a mystery of anti-Semitism. There's a mystery of God working through and above and beyond all these things. And I think if anyone writes a book and says, I have the answer, I certainly won't. I don't think I will read that book. They might give some <laughs> insight, but they're not going to fully solve the question. Remember, there I, I don't think it's an exaggeration. There might be thirty or 40,000 books on the subject of anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And anti-Semitism tends to come in waves. We're in the midst of a wave of anti-Semitism. Why now? Maybe some people say it's COVID. But then again, and other people used to say, well, it comes at, during uh, periods of economic, uh, of economic downturn. But uh, we can have eras of prosperity, and we can have these waves of anti-Semitism. Usually they come, uh, they rise to the surface. For, for two or three years, and then they somehow, they, they, they died down. And now it's become a little more complicated with the state of Israel, because it's not so fashionable, it's not so politically correct to say bad things about Jews, but you can say the bad, nasty, ugly, yes, filthy things, yes, which are out of, totally out of portion or totally out of context context you can say them about the state of Israel so it used to be that uh, people thought Jews were poisoning the well of the village why did people think Jews were poisoning the well because they didn't get sick they didn't get the plague necessarily uh, like others but it may have had something to do with the fact that Jews washed their hands several times a day so mm-hmm. plagues they were accused you are ruining, you are destroying life, you know, in our village. You're destroying life in our region. You're bringing disease, pestilence, and destruction upon us. So you can't so easily say that. You can, but it doesn't, you won't get away with it so easily. You say that about Jews as individuals today. But you can say it about Israel. Israel is destroying the peace of the world. Yes, Israel is going to bring an atomic war. Israel is doing this, Israel is doing that. Oh, the Middle East would just be so peaceful if it wasn't so for Israel. So it's now the state of Israel, yes, is the the element or the agent that is now poisoning the international well. Hmm. Um, so, So it's complicated, 
And the response, though, to all this is simple. The response is to totally reject, yes, anti-Semitism and to totally reject, I think, anti-Judaism. Not that we agree with uh, everything the Jewish community does, not that uh, we approve of everything, and just because something is Jewish, by the way, doesn't necessarily make it better or doesn't somehow make it good for us in the Christian community. Maybe these things are good for the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't mean that we accept everything that uh, Israel does. We, we can and should love Israel and the Jewish people. We should love them with mercy, but also it doesn't mean that we accept uh, perhaps uh, all the policies of the state of Israel. We should love Israel uh, like we love people, like we love other members of our family. Yeah. 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 And, and none of us are perfect. And I hope that they would accept us, the Christian community or different Christian communities, also knowing that uh, uh, we're not perfect and uh, that we have our problems just as they have their problems. You know, if you live in a glass house, the old saying goes, you shouldn't throw stones. And yeah. we, have, we have enough, uh, we have a lot of issues, uh, you know, amongst ourselves. So when I say we should love Israel, critically, it's just that uh, I think one of the things I worry about is that people uh, start to become enchanted or they start to discover their Jewish roots and they start to discover that, rediscover God has some kind of purpose for Israel. And then all of a sudden, Israel can do no wrong and their angels and everything they do vis-a-vis the, the Palestinians or the Arabs has to be correct and we have to defend that. And then when people see, sometimes see the reality, then they become disappointed and disenchanted. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, some of the, some of the, uh, the biggest, you might say, and the most hostile Christian, Christian leaders, are hostile towards Israel, Christian leaders that we have today, uh, were, were those who, as youngsters, were, were passionate, fervent Christian Zionists, right? <clears throat> you know, so when we love Israel and the Jewish people exactly the same way we love the church, we have to love, we have to be very, very realistic, yes? Yeah. And uh, we, we love the church, I hope, and, and the body of Christ, knowing that we have many imperfections, and we love the Jewish people and even support them, you know, at times and in different, uh, different, uh, different points, uh, knowing also that, uh, just like us, they're not angels and they're not walking, you know, two or three feet off the ground with halos and other heads. That's, uh, you know, that's very, very important. And so I appreciate the fact that, um, people, uh, are loving loving Israel and supporting Israel Israel and the Jewish people and Palestinian people, which is a conflict, uh, by helping the poor, mm-hmm. by uh, helping mothers, you know, save save uh, save their children from abortion, by um, helping uh, congregations here, yeah, local congregations, yes, making sure they. You know, have someone to to do youth work, yes, uh, for example, and, and more. You know, there's just uh, there's a lot of good uh, there's a lot of good works and a lot of good deeds that uh, your ministry is supporting, and we're very grateful to to you folks in Canada. Uh,
faithful bunch of people, Clyde and Marion especially. And uh, I'm sorry we, we can't go to their farewell banquet, uh, but uh, we salute them, you know, and for, for the good work they've done. Yeah. What what farewell banquet? We it's it was canceled. We I know. I know. Yeah, we've we've had to uh, shift everything in light of this uh, in light of this interesting pandemic. But uh, anyhow, we will celebrate them properly when the uh, when the moment comes that it is permitted. Maybe you should do it here. We would love to do it there, and uh, I don't want to say too much about that. Just to say that I have. Uh, I have, um, you know, beseeched Clyde and Marion uh, to come back to Jerusalem one more time, more time. but uh, they just don't feel like they can make the trip. So we have to respect their right. wishes on that. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, I want to. I know that uh, time is going here. I've got another meeting in about fifteen minutes, but I want to go back. Just kind of, you said a whole lot there about anti-Semitism. And I hesitated to interrupt you because, you know, you get on a roll. But, uh, that's, the, that's the family problem, pontificate. Yep. <laughs> no, we'll call I'm it on a roll. About, I'm, thinking, uh, I'm thinking about look, finding a, a prescription for this. Okay. <laughs> we, uh, so so you, talked, you talked about some sort of waves of anti-Semitism that have happened through history and, and about sort of, where we place the blame and, and all of that kind of thing. Blame is maybe not the right word, but you know, I, at the risk of oversimplification, I've always gone sort of back pre-Christianity uh, because I believe that that there is a level of anti-Semitism that exists in the world uh, even prior to the coming of of Jesus. Uh, you you touched on that a little bit. I wonder, does it go all the way back to you know Jacob and Esau and that statement? about about hatred and uh you know i see you wincing there so i'm, I'm gonna let you respond oh, no. to that oh, yeah oh um jacob and esau yeah yeah i don't think it goes back to uh certainly i don't think it goes back to uh jacob and esau i think it uh, starts maybe uh with uh the persian empire and the the book of esther i think it starts when jews leave hmm. The Holy Land. They leave Eretz Israel, and uh, they um, they are now living amongst the nations, and, and that's where that's where the anti-Semitism, you know, that's where the anti-Semitism begins. Yes, as again I said, it's complex. It doesn't exist in a vacuum, and of course, every place where you have uh, anti-Semitism, you you do have uh, you do have a context. And uh, that context, uh, it's important to, to understand the context, but it's also important to understand that anti-Semitism is a disease, yes, that uh, mutates, yes, like the virus that we have now. It uh, changes and adapts itself, you know, to different cultures, to different, uh, uh, to different uh, political situations, to different uh, spirit, uh, different uh, spirit of the age. Uh, it'll, it'll change. So when, for example, when nationalism uh, came along and became quite important, you know, in, in Europe for the, in the mid-19th century, Judaism, I mean, anti-Semitism stopped being religious and it started to become racial. Now, Jews are not a racial group or not a race, 
but it doesn't matter. The anti-Semites turned it uh, into a race and simply said, you know, if if you're Jewish, you're a problem. And because it's racial, uh, there's nothing you can do about your, your Judaism. And this leads ultimately to the conclusion uh, of Adolf Hitler that uh, the only way to deal with the Jewish problem is to eliminate Jewish people. Because anti-Semitism, Christian anti-Semitism always said, well, if you, if you uh, were a Jew, you, you can, if you are a Jew, you can convert. You can join the church and then you are no longer, no longer Jewish. But uh, the nationalists, yes, anti-Semites, they also, they also rejected this. And by the way, there's a, there's a one other element. There are many other elements in this, but this plays out in the, uh, especially with the Nazis, that, that there was this idea or this understanding that we're going to create a new world. We're going to cleanse the world of all that is bad and old. And uh, we're going to uh, bring in a secular messianic age. And the way this is going to happen uh, in, their, in the eyes of Hitler and their followers, that they were going, they, they needed to eliminate the Jewish people. Once they eliminated the Jewish people, this new world order, this new age uh, would begin would, would begin to blossom. So, you know, it's not just uh, anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is dangerous and it needs to be, you know, opposed uh, really at every turn. But as I said to you a second ago, it's a context. And a lot of times anti-Semitism marries nationalism or it marries this false messianism, or it marries some form of Christian uh, theology. Yes. Mm. And this is when it can become really dangerous and certainly you know, very, very, very powerful. Uh, for example, in the way that anti-Semitism now uh, has been married to um, Palestinian liberation theology, or it has been uh, connected to anti-imperialism, anti-colonialism, the, uh, the whole very uh, postmodern left-wing critique that you see of it, uh, Israel, the, the boycott movement, and, and so on. So when you have anti-Semitism plus something, watch out. Uh, anti-Semitism, again, I don't want to under-emphasize uh, you know, how dangerous it is, because it will always find something to mate with. It will always find something to marry with in virtually uh, every country or every uh, every culture in the world. Yes. So the you know the whole the whole idea of good versus evil and uh, Israel being God's chosen people uh, does that not set them up for this kind of of hatred oh my goodness there there is for sure oh my goodness this really raises a, a very very complicated question and i don't know how much time we have but the whole notion truly the whole notion of god choosing the jewish people has created a huge amount of jealousy but unfortunately, mm. unfortunately, it, 
I say this with all humility, it has been misunderstood by both Jews uh, and non-Jews. God chose Israel, yes, uh, to serve. God chose Israel to uh, serve the nations. You know, the Old Testament can be summed up in the words of uh, Chris Wright, who is a theologian, British theologian, uh, and and an authority on the Old Testament. He said if you want to uh, summarize the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, it would be this, in his opinion. God so loved the world that he chose Israel. Yes, that he chose the Jewish people. And the choosing of the Jewish people wasn't exactly, uh, it was, of course, out of love, uh, but it was also because God wants to reach you know, the nations of the world. He wants to bless, and he wants to come into relationship you know, mm-hmm. with uh, the people that he has made. And he's doing it, or has done it, and continues to do it in a mysterious way through through the Jewish people. Now, when you hear such a statement that God choose, that God is choosing somebody, you know, then it's very easy and very natural to become jealous. So, for example, uh, we all know that uh, in first grade, if, if a teacher likes a student, yes, or favors one above the many, then the rest of the students, of course, gang up on the, the teacher's favorite, or they dislike the teacher's favorite. And so what has happened is that this whole notion being called has been misunderstood and has been distorted. So the Gentiles, yes, when they hear that the Jews are quote-unquote chosen, their, our reaction has often been, well, who are you to say such a thing? God surely loves everybody. God doesn't have any favorites, etc., etc. So we've misunderstood, yes, what uh, chosenness is actually supposed to be. Mm. And the Jewish people, uh, and this is fair enough, the Jewish people, when they see that they're being persecuted and they're being misunderstood, Yes, and mischaracterized, uh, you might say, generation after generation after generation. What is their tendency? Their tendency is to withdraw. Their tendency is, well, I'm not going to, you know, be that light to the nations, or I'm not going to be uh, a servant to the nations, uh, because after all, when I when I try to, when I stick my head out or stick my head. Up, you know, it only gets knocked off. Mm. And this, by the way, this, by the way, is, uh, I think, a, a warning and a lesson for us in the church. Because it's very easy for, for us to say they don't like us anymore. They're causing problems for us in, uh, uh, in Quebec. They're causing, they don't like how we serve the poor in, uh, in, in Victoria. The best thing we can do is just withdraw and become, you know, a closed community. Yes. So when you're rejected and you're misunderstood, it leads, I think it can lead to a distortion you know, of one's calling. So God's intention, yes, of having Israel serve the nations and the nations in return blessing Israel, yes, uh, for their, you know, for their service to the nations. Yes, has been distorted throughout history. 
And uh, I think we have an opportunity in this generation to to fix that and to and to repair that. Uh, that all of us should return to a very biblical understanding, and it should start with us as Gentiles. Yeah. We, by rejecting anti-Semitism, by not being jealous, by uh, being, uh, you might say, uh, merciful and charitable in our understanding of Jude- Jewish people and uh, and Judaism itself. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, David, thank you. I'm going to have to stop you there. We'll have to pick this up, though, uh, in a future conversation. I would love to uh, maybe do a few podcasts over time where we can uh, talk about all of these things. You have uh, uh, great insights and lots of information to share and a great understanding. So the Lord bless you guys. Love to you, you and Carol and to uh, to Ben and his wife. And it's Sad for us not to be in Israel right now, but uh, this is the next best way we can visit, and I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Take care, brother. Thank you for joining me for the podcast today, and I know that you enjoyed David and his incredible insight into anti-Semitism and the Holocaust. We will definitely have David again on future episodes of the podcast. He has such a wealth of knowledge and so much to offer. If you'd like to know more about David and the ministry that he does in uh, the city of Jerusalem as the rector of Christ Church, you can find information about them at cmj-israel.org forward slash Christ Church. Uh, no spaces, cmj-israel.org forward slash Christchurch. And you can find out about their ministry. You can find out about the guest house that is there near the Jaffa Gate in the Old City. It's a wonderful place. And we encourage you to look them up when that is possible. And uh, also check out David's tour to Poland. He does a tour every couple of years called the Narrow Bridge Tour. You can find out information about that at narrowbridgetour.com, narrowbridgetour.com. And this is a great tour. I took it myself last year, uh, study of Jewish life in Poland, then and now, and a very in-depth look at the Holocaust and at Jewish life before and since that uh, horrible event took place. I would encourage you to uh, check that out if that's something of interest to you. Thanks again for joining us. Remember, we are a ministry that helps ministries in the land of Israel. You can donate to our ministry on our webpage, firstcenturyfoundations.com forward slash donate. Firstcenturyfoundations with an S dot com forward slash donate. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And remember, as Christians, we stand with Israel.